you want to get in on the action, we want to hear from you. Email us at faderoutemail at gmail.com with your questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. We're on Instagram too. Slide in our DMs at Fade Route Podcast. Get at us. A little blue birdie told us we're on Twitter now. Give us a follow at Fade Route DNZ. Get at us. So I'm going to call it right now. It's going to be. Edmonton and the Islanders and the Islanders win. Welcome to the Fade Route with D and Z. Here are your hosts, D and Z. Welcome to this week's episode of the Fade Route. I am D, and with me as always is Z. We got a great show for you. We got a great show for you tonight. We're going to talk about how Julio wants out of Atlanta. Connor McDavid gets swept out of the playoffs, and Joe Rush joins us on the in route to discuss AOS baseball. But we begin today's show with Aaron Rodgers. The reigning MVP was a no-show for voluntary workouts and OTAs. Most of the starting wide receivers are no-shows as well. Z, when will the front office get the message that they need to trade this guy? It better be sooner rather than later because now it's becoming a full-on mutiny. Not only is Aaron Rodgers missing, but like you said, his receiving core is missing. You had Adams. You had St. Brown. You had Lazard. You had Valdez Scantling and even Devin Funches. Like Devin Funches just signed with the team this year, and he's he's out in solidarity with his starting quarterback. You need to fix this ASAP. But the good thing is that the Sioux in the calendar will turn to June. Uh, the financial kickers, the financial burdens will lessen and they will be spread out. But if they can stand the heat a little while longer. I mean, I can see within a week or so that he will be wearing a new jersey. Well, I mean, the NFC North is soft with the Lions, the Bears, and the Vikings. But, I mean, at least those people are in camp and those people are working and practicing. You can't expect someone to just walk in and run the show. Um, yeah, I, 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 think it, I think it's ugly. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how the Packers fix this. Even Matt Lafour, he had a press conference. He didn't seem impressed with Jordan Love's workouts uh, the last few days, saying it looks like he put in some work during the off season, but he still has ways to go. That is not encouraging. I mean, should they get on the call with the Falcons, bring in Julio? I'm not even sure how. I'm not even sure that would make Aaron happy. The only other thing I want to add in here is in 2014. The New England Patriots drafted Jimmy G in the second round. Brady responded by winning the Super Bowl that season. And then the Patriots traded Jimmy G away three, I think it was three years later after winning another Super Bowl. 
So maybe Aaron needs to take a different approach to this. So what do you think? Just ride it out and give it a give it a little while longer and just kind of buy in temporarily, bite his tongue. He doesn't seem like that kind of guy. I uh, mean, as an as an outsider looking in, right? I'm an outsider. Okay, I'm 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 looking into the situation. It's ugly. I can't see how they win with him. Okay, but if I was him and I'm a competitor and I see what Tom Brady's doing, I'm doing one or two things. I'm gonna get in there and I'm gonna try to win again. You know, they did get to the NFC Championship game. He is the reigning MVP. I know how good I am. I know I can win with this team. The other part of me would say, trade me. Trade me. And we don't know if he's actually asked for that, but that would be my next thing. And I'd have a list of teams that I want to go to. These are the five teams I want to play for. I'm not coming back here. I'm not playing here. So let's get this done. Because to be, you know, you don't want a Carson Palmer situation. You don't want him traded week six, week seven, week eight. He needs to get in camp with a team. He needs to learn the new plays. He, you also need to get your new quarterback in. I mean, you brought in Blake Bortles. You know what's up. You know Jordan Love can't play. I just the immortal don't, Blake Bortles. I just don't understand why you just don't take the haul that teams are offering for him when you've got Jordan Love. I mean, you you kind of set yourself up for this. It's all about the dead cap money. Like it's definitely, I mean, the salary cap implications are huge for this trade. If they just wait, they just shoulder it a little bit longer. They'll be minimized. It's not going to be totally eliminated because you still owe that money, but it will kind of lessen against the salary cap, which, you know, if that is the plan from Gutekunst, I mean, you can't argue with it just from the simple fact of the finances of it all. You're going to hamstring your franchise. I mean, granted, you're hamstringing your franchise already, but you're going to further hamstring them by having the disgruntled player or the ex-disgruntled player with the entire nut of the money this year. So either way, this, this year seems to be like the sacrificed year in order to get to the future. So, And we were discussing this in our production meeting. Aaron Rodgers has officially become Brett Favre. Like it is going to come to the point where like his off season trumps almost whatever he does on the field. And it's always with Brett Hart, Brett, uh, Brett Favre. It was the Hamlet play, right? It was like, will I retire? Won't I retire? Maybe I will go to Minnesota. Oh, I ended up with the jets. I ended up with Minnesota anyway. It's just like uh, the hemming and hawing back and forth. It's hemming and hawing again, but with a different a, a different outcome. Am I going to go host Jeopardy? Maybe I'm just going to go retire and, and travel the world with Shailene Woodley and Miles Teller. Have you seen this stuff on Instagram? He's living it up in Hawaii right now. He's enjoying life. Uh, you know, it's become a circus, and I'm kind of sick of it as an outsider. Yeah, that mentality doesn't lead to championships. That mentality and those actions – they're just not going to go on anywhere. And then another person who seems disgruntled is Julio. Julio saying on TV this week or on a radio show with Shannon Sharp, I want out. <laughs> What's the best landing spot for Julio Jones these, these days? That's a fantastic question. But we, have, we definitely have to talk about the, the nature of which uh, Julio Jones made this declaration. It was on an episode of Undisputed with uh, Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. And Shannon Sharp called him up live on the air 
And I don't know if Julio Jones knew he was on TV when he made this declaration. A part of me said, okay, it's rigged. He's def- he definitely knew what was going on because, I mean, if you think about it, like that's entrapment right there. Like it's just that, that wouldn't hold up in the court of law, let alone the court of public opinion. But as far as best scenarios for Julio Jones, for me, it's been the Baltimore Ravens for years. They've been knocking on the door. They need a wide receiver so desperately. They need a number one. Marquise Brown is not a number one. He, I mean, he's a probably be a very capable number two. You, you put him alongside Julio Jones, and he becomes a deadly weapon. Another one that I really like is the Los Angeles Chargers. You put Julio Jones bookended with Keenan Allen for Justin Herbert with a, with arm talent like that. You're challenging the Chiefs immediately. You are definitely up there, and you're an improved defense away from actually taking over that division. Yeah, I said it. I said it. I like that talent better than I like a Travis Kelsey that's aging and Tyreek Hill, who can sometimes be schemed out of a can sometimes be schemed by Andy Reid out of the offense. Yeah, I I, I would love. I'd love to see him sign with the Ravens. Um, I'm just, I'm just not sure at 31, 32 years old that he feels that that's the best fit for him. I think he wants to go to a guaranteed contender. Those are a little harder to come by these days. Um, let's think about who's capital, right? I mean, Miami certainly has the capital to trade for him, and it's not in the same conference, which seems like the Falcons seem to be floating out there that they would prefer to not trade him in conference. The Titans, I mean, the Titans. I mean, if he wants to win, you can you can go win with the Titans. I mean, they're 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 hanging in there. Colts too. Um, another name that came up in my head was John Gruden. I mean, John Gruden would be willing to trade the farm for Julio. I mean, we know the lengths he went to to get Antonio Brown to to come onto the team and to stick around. Uh, I think I think Julio would be prolific in that offense and uh, give Derek Carr a big target to throw to. And they've already got the tight end. And they, they, they have they have two really good running backs now with Drake and with Jacobs. Um, this is Daniel Snyder's move, right? He loves the big-name guy. He loves throwing big money at somebody. Washington could bring him in. They can definitely compete in that division. Um, and they also have a very talented running back. And uh, they do have a good tight end and decent receivers already. And then Arizona was trolling him uh, this weekend with uh, Hopkins saying he would willing to take, be take a pay cut to bring in Julio. <laughs> but I'm not sure if he'd be willing to receive less catches because that's what Julio's going to do when he gets there. I mean, I mean, think how ridiculous that is for a second. You have Hopkins, you have A.J. Green, you would have Julio, and then you have Larry Fitzgerald as your four. Jeez. Like that would be a, an embarrassment of riches. What was interesting was is I heard people saying that he's really not worth a one and a two and all the things the Falcons are asking for. And I just not I don't I don't see how you don't think he's worth that. I mean, the last three years he's played. He's you know, besides I mean, last year he only played nine games, but the year before that he played fifteen, sixteen, sixteen, fourteen. He's close to double digits in, in touchdowns almost every year. Um I don't I don't know how Julio Jones doesn't make your team better. No, he absolutely makes your team better. And I have a couple of, uh, well, the one is not so outside the box because pretty much everybody's been pointing to it because of the relationship between Belichick and Sabin and that kind of thing. 
you know, he could possibly end up with the Patriots. This team is ready to go. I don't know if I see it just yet, but here's an outside the box one. And this might sound a little crazy, but Julio for Beckham straight up. Yes, I thought the same thing. Uh, I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. And everybody gets what they want in that deal. And I think he would play well for the Browns. Um, the New England the New England idea came because I think he mentioned that he wanted to play with Cam Newton. I mean, geez, that would just be ridiculous if that really happened. Uh, I think I think Cam would be much more formidable if, if Julio's running routes. Uh yeah. yeah. Is uh, Cam Newton's arm strength there? Is or is Julio Jones gonna just gonna be frustrated because they can't get him the ball? Yeah, I don't I don't really know what he's looking for. I mean, if you think about that the Atlanta Falcons are so primed. Um and he's got and they got Ridley there, so it's even hard for them to double team Julio now. They just drafted Pitts, got Matt Ryan. I mean, Matt Ryan's a top five quarterback every year. You can look at the numbers, he's got it. So you know, I don't, I don't really know what Atlanta's missing. Um, a defense, yeah. <laughs> I guess. But you know, sometimes you think you can get better somewhere else, and it doesn't turn out that way. You forget how good you actually have it. Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. That's so true. And speaking of that, the Edmonton Oilers, my pick to come out of the West to win the, to come out of the West to contend for the Stanley Cup, they got bounced by the Winnipeg Jets in a sweep. In a sweep. Well done, boys. Thank you for showing up. And Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl were top in the league in points, top in the league in scoring. At what point does Connor McDavid, you know, the, the, the anointed one as the next Wayne Gretzky, at what point does he decide to pull a, a Gretzky and say, get me the hell out of here? Yeah, uh, I mean, six years and no glory to show for it. Yeah, One playoff had, series win. And he's head and shoulders above everybody else. I mean, the guy is fantastic. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure where he would take his talents to get better results. Well, I mean, if we, let's break down the series a little bit. You had two games decided in overtime. And you had the fourth and deciding game decided in triple overtime. So despite what it looks like, despite the sweep, you have to admit that this series was pretty well matched since it took overtime for them to decide three out of the four games. As far as who is going to be able to pry Connor McDavid away from the Edmonton Oilers, you got to look at, at teams with uh, – a load of young talent that they can move back to Edmonton. 
So if you look at the original Wayne Gretzky trade, they traded Gretzky and McSorley for a package that included Marty Jelena and a bunch of other guys. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to the Rangers, but he definitely could go to the Rangers. They have an embarrassment of riches. The cupboard was not left bare when they fired Jeff Gordon. So they're still in the middle of their rebuild, but you have the pieces to not give up major assets and still get Connor McDavid. Another one is the Buffalo Sabres. The Buffalo Sabres have so many young players and they just stink the high heaven as a team. So maybe you move a Jack Eichel for Connor McDavid and a couple, you know, a couple of prospects, picks, whatever. And that is the spark that the Oilers need. And that's the spark that the Sabres need. A, a mutual change of scenery might do them good. But honestly, those are the only two realistic ones I see. The other one is just like, you know, the Golden Knights, because Golden Knights get everybody. At least that's yeah. what it appears to be. Yeah. Uh, what about, I mean, I'm while we're on the air, the Penguins just lost to the Islanders. What about the Penguins? I mean, their stars seem to be fading. Uh, how much How much time does Latang and Malkin and Crosby have left? I mean, is it possible that they could swing something for him? I don't know if they have the assets, to be honest with you. Like, since we're just spitballing this in the moment, I really don't know. I need to analyze their – I really need to analyze their farm system and see if there's anything that they that the, the Edmonton Oilers would like. I, I know one thing's for sure. They don't like Tristan Jarry. Not after his performance. That that dude was god-awful. So, I mean, when you you get creative, anything is possible in the NHL. You can get a couple teams involved. You can trade draft picks. I mean, you could definitely move them around. But, I don't know. Like, that would would be such a Pittsburgh Penguin move. Like, they, they get the next Mario Lemieux for, you know, generations to come. And it just infuriates the entire rest of the league. Yeah, or even uh, the Blackhawks. Um, Blackhawks to me is another team that they had. A, they were star-studded, and they've kind of faded the last, what, like you'd say, two or three years. Uh, you know, Kane, uh, Kane, and Taves. Um, and then you know, also you think about the Capitals. I mean, they they they, they surely are always star-studded, and they seem to not. They didn't have it. They didn't have it this year. They couldn't really get out of the first round. They, you know, they're having trouble getting out of the first round. So, um, yeah, I just don't – like I said, I don't know where he would go. I don't know where he would better himself. But it's clear that if you're getting swept in the first round and you're the best player in the league, you got problems, bro. <laughs> no, you totally have problems. And I don't know. It, it's definitely it, it's definitely an indicator that hockey is a team sport. One guy can't I – mean, unless he's the goalie. That's the only – that's the exception to the rule. He's the goalie. Guy, the, only the goalie can ride like Jordan Binnington. Perfect example. Jordan Binnington rode the St. Louis Blues, who are a mediocre-ass team. He rode them all the way to the Stanley Cup. So, realistically, like, only in those situations does one player really stand head and shoulders above the, the team in a hockey standpoint. 
speaking of head, standing head and shoulders above, the Milwaukee Bucks straight up blew out the Miami Heat, 132-98. to 98. Are they the only team that can legitimately challenge the Brooklyn Nets in the East? Just a non-game a couple nights ago. Uh, besides injuries, I do think Philly will give the Nets a hard time, only because of Philly's size. I just don't think Philly can score enough. Um, and then as for this Heat Bucks series, I mean, the Heat need to play better. I, I thought the Heat had a chance to beat the Bucks, but not with Jimmy Butler only hitting a, a quarter of his shots. Uh, the series moves to Miami, uh, so maybe they can get a little better. But I think I think Philly can also uh, give the the Nets a hard time. Anybody that can challenge them on the glass, I think, is going to give the Nets a, a tough time. And that's really what's been the story here for the Bucks in the Heat. Like in that game, they just got dominated on the glass. Like Giannis had thirteen rebounds. You had, you know, it was evenly distributed throughout. Whereas you had one player on the Heat with nine rebounds, and the rest were like one, two, and you. If you're not going to shoot, if you're not going to shoot well, you got to defend well, and you got to rebound well. And if that's the case, and nothing's going right, this is going to be a very short series. But I mean, they're spreading it around really well. Giannis showed up. Middleton showed up. Holiday. The guys that they're counting on definitely showed up. So I think they could in an underrated kind of way because Chris Middleton's definitely like an underrated player. He's, he's very good. I wouldn't say he's a superstar, but Chris Middleton is very good. Drew, Drew Holiday's on the come. I wouldn't say he's like top five in terms of point guards, but he's definitely top 10. I would definitely argue that. And they could, I mean, they can give the Nets a series. Now, what does it, what does that mean? Like, do they lose in six? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what <laughs> I, think, I think that's what that means at this point. You know, we can we can win one at home and one on the road. So you know, well, well, here's here's the deal: is I think they showed the Bucks showed that they could score 132 points. I mean, so they've shown that they can score. Um, so they the Nets don't have any anybody who can defend. Giannis so he's gonna get his so now how, how who does Giannis take a play who's he play against you know is he gonna is he gonna guard Durant is he gonna guard James Harden and, and the other part is is they're gonna have to sh- not shoot lights out but they're gonna have to shoot pretty well in a in a in at least a six game series you know and I and that's the part that that the Nets might have trouble with I mean because they're not gonna get rebounds you know, because Lopez is going to get the rebounds. Don't don't talk to me about Blake Griffin getting rebounds. You know, no. so uh, and yeah, Chris Middleton's on a superstar, but he's a knockdown shooter. And then that's have Joe Harris. So, you know, it it could go back and forth. Um, but I do I do agree with you. I think at at the end of the day, the Nets will come out on top. But I think against like I said, Philly and Milwaukee. It, it won't be as easy. No, definitely. And, I mean, those teams are the only ones that really match up player for player with the big three. I mean, you look at Atlanta. 
Atlanta doesn't have anybody. No. Look at the Knicks. The Knicks don't no, have anybody. No way. Not but the close. other, but the one thing I will say about the Knicks is that would be a very, uh, very contentious series because they're in-state and really close city rivals. So they, the Knicks might be able to benefit that, benefit from that. And forget about this, you know. So I, I just. Um, I'm just very disappointed in the Heat. It just seems like they were only able to play in the bubble. But that was the thing we talked about last year. It's like there are advantages for some teams playing in a bubble. And this year, all that stuff is out the window. No, totally. Fans are back and, you know, you're traveling. And everything that was removed is now back in to some degree. So the Heat, they just need to get back to what they were doing. And fortunately for them, they do have a coach that's been through it all. And he's not just competent. He's one of the best coaches in the league in Eric Spolstra. And I think that if there's anybody I trust making adjustments at this point, it would be Eric Spolstra. You can't help but smile when you see a balloon. The simplest occasion is a party. Westchester Popstar is located in New Rochelle, New York, offers balloon styling and decor for all life's events. Birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, showers, school and corporate events, store openings, or just because. Westchester Popstars takes balloons and shapes them into works of art, creating decorative installations for your special occasions. No event is too big or too small, and their custom personalization service is top notch. Westchester Popstars is a private studio, quickly expanding. In-person consultation is by appointment only. Send an email to westchesterpopstars at gmail.com for more information or to schedule an appointment. No need to hire an event stylist. All you need is balloons. Currently servicing Westchester, Putnam, New York City, and Connecticut. To find Westchester Popstars, search for them on Instagram, Facebook, or Google. Speaking of adjustments, the New York Yankees straight broke the back of the White Sox, sweeping them this past weekend. Was this more about the Yankees or more about the White Sox? Uh, I think it was more about the Yankees. Uh, the White Sox are still plus 69. That's right. They're a plus 69 in run differential. And they're doing this without Lewis Roberts, and they're doing this without Eloy Jimenez. Uh, I think this was a good series by the Yankees. It's definitely something they can hang their hat on, uh, especially without Giancarlo Stanton, who actually might be coming back this weekend. Surprise, surprise. Uh, but anything they could keep, they, anything they could do to keep pace with the Rays, who just won nine of their last ten with with nobody, uh, I, it says a lot about uh, your buddy Aaron. Oh, yeah. Oh, Aaron. Oh, Aaron. But I mean, we're burying the lead a little bit, even before we get to the White Sox series, that we did have a little news from the Yankees. That's right. We had another no-hitter. Corey Kluber against the Texas Rangers. So, 
you're getting closer to your 10 total, man. And congratulations to you. So you're, you're calling this and it is coming closer and closer to fruition. And I'm still waiting for Rob Manfred to acknowledge that Madison Bumgarner pitched a no hitter this year. Don't be gutless, Rob. Acknowledge it. Like so, I, so, says, or, 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 <laughs> so what do I need? I need three more, right? Two or three you, more? You need two or three more. Yeah. So this was definitely about the Yankees. Like they had to overcome adversity in order to, you know, two walk-offs. Like sometimes it's fluky. They turned a triple play in the top of the ninth inning on in Friday's game. So like some things are fluky. The White Sox were definitely coming off the scenario with the Twins and all the hot water that Tony Larusa got himself into. I think it showed that they're still not ready to kind of hang with the big boys yet. Because say what you will about the Yankees, yet their roster is depleted. They don't have Hicks. They don't have Stanton. They still have enough guys. Did you just say they don't have Aaron Hicks? Like that's a bad thing? It's a thing. It's it's a thing. You know, I'm just saying they're used to playing without him, but at this point, it's a thing. So, and now they're they're without Kluber. He had to exit the game last night. He's going to be out about two months. And Luke Voigt's out, so he's back on the IL. Did Luke so, Voigt just get there? Yeah, I mean, uh, this generation, Steve Balboni has only been here about a week. He, he just got here. And he, yeah, like he's like, I'm going back down. I'm going back to Tampa. I'll see you guys um, in September. I'm hurt. I'm hurting. I'm burning. I'm oh, burning. My God. Oh my goodness. So yeah, I, I just I don't think they're ready to be on that caliber yet because then they took two out of three from the Cardinals who aren't on the Yankees level in terms of talent. So I mean the the Cardinals are very good, but I think there are tiers. And the White Sox and Cardinals are clearly on that tier. Then you have the Yankees, then you have the Rays kind of neck and neck, maybe the Astros, and then you'll have the Dodgers and the Padres and that level. So that's what, like the, the C level at this point or, you know, the a, 3A level, whatever you want to call it. I don't know if the White Sox are there yet. Maybe they need a couple more guys. The rotation's playing, which is good. I didn't think that was going to be the case coming out of the, uh, coming out of the uh, spring training. So kudos to them. They're they just need to get a little bit healthier. Maybe get another bat. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I think the Yankees are going to have pitching issues. You know, pitching looks good for them right now, but I think down the stretch that's going to really come to bite them. Um, I, I don't really trust their starting pitchers, Tyone, Tyone, and uh, and Kluber. Like you said, it just went down. I, I'm not. I'm not scared of them. Um, you know, and they, their hitting is is a is a slightly above average right now, and without John Carlos Stanton, which is surprising, but it all comes down to you know, are they are they able to score runs, and are they are they going to be able to beat the Blue Jays and the Rays? Because man, they they're playing very well. That's a good question. I mean, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to beat the Blue Jays and the Rays with a depleted team the way they're depleted, and Jameson Tyone is meh. Like, but he was missed yeah. when he was with the Pirates. Yeah. Uh, Corey Kluber, he's missing two months, and then he's got to get back into baseball shape. Like, is he going to be what you need him to be when you need him to be it? Uh, the Yankees, it was a calculated risk not bringing back guys like Paxton, not bringing back Shit. 
So, I mean, Paxton already fulfilled his destiny. He had Tommy John surgery. So, like, he is who he is, and he proved that. So, I mean, the Yankees are hesitant to make the necessary move, and I understand that. Being a Met fan, I get that. You fall in love with your prospect, and it becomes, oh, we don't want to trade him. Like he, but you're not going to be able to ascend to the next level with rookie pitchers. Like, that's just how it works. Like, if you start a back, back end of your rotation of a Davey Garcia, a Michael King, and a Clark Schmidt, that tells me you're like two to three years away. That's not a contending rotation. Even Domingo Herman. Domingo Herman was a, you know, he was away from the game for an extended period of time. Granted, he's back now. Granted, he's pitching well. But, you know, the rotation is just not there. It's Now it's Montgomery, Herman, King. Like, it's just a lot of bleh. And they need to make the move. And it boils down to Cashman being too stubborn or too in love with the prospects to make the necessary move. And I can't even target who would, who that would be at this point. I'm getting hungry over here. Should have cooked up some dinner. And if you're looking for a new cooking show to binge, check out As You Eat It on YouTube, hosted by me, Chef Z. I invite you into my home and show you what and how I cook when I'm off the clock as a chef instructor. You're going to learn fun recipes and creative methods to empower and inspire you in the kitchen and take it to the next level. Cook how you want to cook. Eat how you want to eat. Eat as you eat it. That's As You Eat It, available only on YouTube. AZ, you eat it. Check it out and let's get cooking. It's the in route where friends of the show get a special segment with us. Want to get in on the action? Want to be part of the in crowd? Hit us up, faderoutemail at gmail.com or slide in our DMs at faderoutepodcast on IG. Joining us on the in route this week is senior contributor to prospects1500.com, Joe Rush. Hey, Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you got it, man. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. All right. We'll kick things off uh, fast. Uh, earlier this season, Seattle Mariners president and CEO Kevin Mather released some surprising statements during a Rotary Club meeting, which ultimately led to his resignation. How do you think this resignation has affected the Mariners season so far? Well, first off, a lot of the stuff he said was just awful. Some of it was just ridiculous, like complaining about having to pay an interpreter 75K a year. I mean, but from a baseball standpoint, uh, it really didn't impact the team much at all. I mean, he wasn't particularly known for being around the players or anything like that. And he didn't really have any relationships with any of the guys on a personal level. Did it really, did it surprise you? Oh, it was shocking. It was, it was amazing to see. And I mean, it was floating out there for weeks and some random person found it on the Rotary Club website and then posted it and it went viral. It's just insane. He, he was basically catering uh, to a whole bunch of his rich friends over in Bellevue, which is a suburb of Seattle. And they've been doing this stuff for years, actually. And the other stuff didn't come out sooner. It was really surprising. Unreal. Unreal. Uh, Mariners prize prospect Jared Klinik was finally called up a few weeks ago. In your opinion, what is his floor? What is his ceiling? And what can the Mariners do to keep him in Seattle? 
Well, that's a far off question, first of all, as far as what they could do to, uh, to keep him in Seattle. I mean, they're going to have to win. That, that's basically going to do it. But his floor is basically an everyday major leaguer for many, many years. And on the other side, his ceiling is superstar. I mean, we're talking about a potentially generational type talent. I mean, Kelnick is someone who could be a top 10, 15. And someone who could be in competition for MVP awards and all that. And all it cost was a roided up, washed up Robinson Cano and an inconsistent Edwin Diaz. Who knew? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean done. And it, uh, truth <laughs> be told, I am a Met fan, Joe, so I'm a little bitter. I, I get you. I grew up a Met fan. I, I grew up in uh, northeastern Pennsylvania, and uh, the 86 Mets are, are forever in my heart. <laughs> I mean, I was just surprised only because, you know, you see a guy like Mike Trout, who's been with the Angels for all these years. He never wins. They're in last place right now. It doesn't look like he might get to another playoff game in a couple of years. So I wasn't sure if, if you know, Jared would be willing to sign up for a future like that, you know. I don't think Trout's ever actually been in the postseason, has he? I think he might have been into one or two postseason games. And I think they, it's three under his belt. And one's like a wild card game, so I don't even know. I mean, that shouldn't even really Does that play. even count if you lose yeah. one wild card game? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, luckily they have him for uh, for seven years or so, or they have six years, and, and uh, they have a chance to really show with this rebuild and all the young players that they have and the guys coming up behind them that they're, they're going to have a chance to win. I mean, whether or not they do that, it's been 20 years since they made the frickin' playoffs. But, I mean, they have everything in place to have, have a successful rebuild right now. Yeah. Uh, one, of the, one of the guys you spoke about in your article was Anthony Misiewicz. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Misiewicz. Misiewicz. He was not listed in your top 50 prospects prior to the start of the season, but he managed to make his way to the big club earlier this year. He struggled earlier this month, but I think the future's bright. Do you think he could be a a potential closer, setup man? Where do, you, where do you see him filling in? Well, uh, coming into the season, he was technically qualified as a prospect because he didn't have 60 innings pitched in the major leagues. But he did spend the entire 2020 shortened season with the team, and he was expected to make the team, so I didn't really consider him a prospect despite his technical eligibility. Um, with that said, he's a decent uh, left-handed pitcher, but, I mean, he, he doesn't do anything spectacular. He's not a particularly hard thrower. Um, if you look at his ERA from all of his minor league seasons after uh, his short season bought the game back in or short seasons uh, year back in 2015, from 2016 to 2019, his ERA was at least four and a half every single year <laughs> and some of the years in the five. So he's never really been looked at as someone as a as a as a top guy or someone that's really going to do much in the majors. So do you feel like the other uh, three batter rule for relievers is helping him or hurting him? I don't know. I mean, I think that in general right now, he just doesn't have that good of stuff. So I don't think it matters one way or the other. Hmm. Transitioning to the more veteran players in the lineup, Mitch Hanniger is currently fifth in the league in homers with 13. So how long can you keep this pace and uh, where do you see him finishing top five or uh, what do you think? I'm thinking probably top 10 to 15. I mean, he's had decent power since he got to Seattle uh, in 2018, which was his last full season, he hit 26 home runs. Unfortunately, he's had some really tough injuries. I mean, he, back in 2017, he got hit in the face with a pitch and missed a significant amount of time. And then the worst came in 2019 when he had a ruptured testicle. And complicated. It's true. Complications that sounds from awful. That. I know. It, it was awful. I mean, can you imagine you get your face shattered and then you get your balls broke? 
That's almost as bad as breaking your hand trying to take off your shirt. <laughs> yeah, this or, one, the or... ball bounced up off the ground, and apparently he wasn't wearing a cup. And Jesus. yeah, and so he missed all of 2020 with complications from that. And now he's come out on fire. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think I don't think he's a, a top five guy, but definitely in a 10 to 15 range. I certainly hope he's doing PSAs at all the little leagues and high schools. <laughs> oh. Guys, let me talk about the importance of protecting your, your region. Yeah, it's it, just incredible. I don't even—I don't know if I could get back in the batter's box after either one of those injuries, yet alone both of them. Oh man, that's a trip. But <laughs> the manager, the Mariners are uh, two of the teams that are, have the one of the three teams, I should say, that have been no hit twice this year. So, how many more in general do you see happening? And you, you see any more happening, the Mariners? And what can Major League Baseball do to make this less frequent? I certainly hope it doesn't happen to the Mariners again. I was at the second one, and it was just awful to watch. <laughs> just sitting there on a Tuesday night going, oh, gosh, I can't believe this is happening again. <laughs> Do you start, like, walking around the, the, the field or walking around the stands and you're saying, he's got a no-hitter, he's got a no-hitter, try to jinx it? Is that what you do in those situations? I, I probably would have if it wasn't for all the, uh, the strict COVID restrictions where you're basically stuck in your seat. I mean, you could go in the concourse, but you're not really moving about, out and about. But uh, I think the, the no-hitters will slow down a bit as the season goes on and the hitters get more uh, acclimated to the pitching. But uh, I'll start out by saying I don't think baseball should uh, do anything drastic like move back the, uh, the mound or uh, eliminate the shift. Uh, I think the general approach needs to change. I mean, there's so many players that are trying to win the World Series each at bat. And that's what results in all the strikeouts and home runs. Focus getting on base and, and, and beat the shift, for Christ's sake. You know, one of the things we talked about a few episodes ago is I'm not sure how much players really care about no hitters no more. Like if you're if you're on the receiving end, like if you're getting no hit, do you think the players even care if their team is no hit? Do you think the batters care? I, I think they care. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I think the fans are starting to care less. Yeah. I mean, at the game I was at, there were people leaving at the end of the eighth inning. It's like you're, you're watching history and you're just leaving the ballpark in a two-hour game. That's wild. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, it's it's got to be a generational thing because, like, when we were growing up, there's no way in hell you're leaving with a no-hitter. I remember I was watching – I was at the ballpark. It was Yankees-Red Sox. It was Roger Clemens, Pedro Martinez, a shutout into the ninth inning. Like, I was glued to my seat. Like, I was, like, if there was a way not to get up and go to the bathroom, like, I would have done it. But I guess, you know, it's just a generational thing that it's, it speaks to the trope that baseball is, quote, unquote, boring if you have excellence on the mound. I mean, maybe, but the, the people that were leaving were in their 50s and 60s. <laughs> maybe they were just trying to get the better early. <laughs> you got to beat the maybe, traffic. Yeah, I mean, but... When the Mariners actually had a no-hitter, I was at one a few years ago with uh, Iwakuma. Everyone in Seattle stayed during that one against the Orioles. So I well, think I, I, I got to start going to baseball games with you more often. Maybe I'll catch something historical. Jeez. Actually, I'm not the guy. I went with the, guy, the same guy on both of these, and he's now been at five no-hitters. I've only been at two. Five? Five, yes. <laughs> okay. We need, to, we need to get on the bus with this guy, D. <laughs> Uh, we'll get out, get you out of, here, out of here on this one, Joe. Surprisingly, even with all of this, 
the Mariners are only six and a half games back. They're still hanging in in the American League West. So can they make a run, or is there a move they can make that will allow them to compete this year? This team's not built to compete in 2021. I mean, if they do have a shot, it's definitely through the division and not the wild card. The, the AL in general outside of the West is pretty loaded. But realistically, like I said, they're not contenders yet. I mean, their, their run differential is a negative 52. They're going to end up being sellers this year. And Mitch Hanniger and Kyle Seeger are both getting looked at currently. Interesting. You have any potential landing spots, you think? Have you heard anything through the grapevine? Well, with uh, with Hanniger for sure, I, I've heard the White Sox with uh, the, the injuries they've had. And oh, wow. you're not going to like this one with Seeger. The Mets are interested. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they need all the help they can get at this point. Alonzo's hurt. Uh, Syndergaard went down in his rehab game. They just had to acquire Billy McKinney because Janeshwi Fargus, the immortal Janeshwi Fargus, has an AC joint sprain, and they're down to like their 18th or 19th outfielder. So, hey, you know what? If Seeger can suit up, like, go for it at this point. Does Lindor still play for that team? Last time I checked, but I got to look because uh, they've been moving guys around, like McCann to first base, Nito's behind the plate, and like crazy shit's happening in Queens right now. Well, here's the other thing with Seeger, though. So this is the last year of his contract with the Mariners. But if he gets traded, he is a kicker in his debt and gives him a guaranteed contract for next year for $15 million. So no, pretty much sounds like a Mets-type move. <laughs> so is he represented by Brody Van Wagenen? <laughs> no, maybe he used to be. <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right, to be honest, Joe. Oh, my goodness. Oh, well, this has been the latest issue, latest uh, issue of the in route, the latest member of the in crowd, Joe Rush. Thank you so much for joining us, man. And we definitely look forward to having you on again and hopefully uh, maybe talking some Seattle crack and hockey. Oh, I cannot wait for that. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, absolutely. And if you want to be the newest member of the in crowd, hit us up, faderoutmail at gmail.com. Slide in those DMs at faderoutpodcast or hit us up on Twitter at Fade Route DNZ. And you, yes, you, you could be the next member of the in crowd. More or less. All right, boys and girls, you know the game, you love the game. We have a statement, and it's either more or less likely that this will happen. More or less, number one, Trey Young is the new Reggie Miller. Why do the Knicks have a recent history of other players dominating them in, in Madison Square Garden? Like you got Michael Jordan, Reggie Miller, Kobe Bryant, and now Trey Young, who scorched them for his first playoff win amidst, amidst profane badgering by the crowd and comments by New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio. I'm going to say more likely here, uh, Nick's got a new villain, and uh, he's going to be upsetting fans for the next few years. I'm going to go less likely on this one. Granted, it was a great game. He did have a great performance, 32-7. and seven, So he definitely was head and shoulders above the rest of his teammates. You had Bogdanovich had 18, Collins had 12. You had... Key key but, for him was he was nine for nine from the free throw line. Yeah, you can't even go. Help. You can't even go at this guy. Like tonight, I mean, we don't. Well, I think they. I think I saw that they're up. 
you're not the Hawks are up. You can't even start like knocking him down or hitting him because he's going to go to the free throw line and nail his free throws. No, he's, he's, he also does that nice little trick where he sticks his ass out and he initiates contact. So yeah, like, I heard he like, I heard he learned that from you. Well, you know, sometimes you just need a little uh, you just need a little bit of love and attention, you know, a little love and affection, but by any means necessary. But the Knicks need to make a may need to make a decision on point guard. You, if you have three point guards, four point guards actually, you have no point guard. It's either <laughs> quickly, Rose, Nilakina, or Alfred Payton. And you chose to start Alfred fucking Payton, who gave you jack fucking shit. What the hell are you thinking? Emmanuel quickly is the point guard of the future on this team. He is the guy that makes them go. Derrick Rose is great off the bench. This is a simple formula, Tibbs. It's a simple formula. Also, Alec Burks cannot be your number one scorer. So that means, Randall, you got to step up. R.J. Barrett, you got to step up. And you know what? The whole team has to step up. And Alfred Payton, you need to forget your sneakers, son. You need to forget your uniform and just sit on that bench in a suit and not bother coming to work. But as far as Trey Young goes, I'm just going to throw it out there. You do not invoke the name of Reggie Miller based on one game. Yes, it is. He's a thorn in your side. He had a good game. He's got to do it again. Reggie Miller was perpetually a pain in the Knicks' ass. Like, much in the same vein as Michael Jordan was a perpetual pain in the Knicks' ass. These guys were constantly in the way of the mid-90s teams. The greatest run the Knicks have ever had in modern basketball. Yeah, I said it. These teams, along with the Miami Heat, were consistently the gatekeepers of the Eastern Conference. And you can't tell me that one, half a good year, not even one full year, because remember, this they're working with an interim coach, Nate McMillan. Like this, this team was being run into the ground by Lloyd Pierce before they fired him. So one game does not a playoff killer make. He needs to do it again. The good thing for him is that he's super young and he can definitely make that happen. More or less number two. Shohei Otani's velocity drop is a big deal. Yeah, I, I'm going to say more likely. Uh, if anybody was reading the news uh, the last couple of days, uh, Otani's velocity dropped from uh, – 96.6 to 91.3. Uh, this is 5.3 miles per hour on his fastball. He's not he's he's not a location guy. He really relies on velocity and movement. So I'm I'm gonna go with more likely here. Um, Joe Madden's trying to play this down, but this could be an issue. I'm going more likely as well, just for the simple fact that they're kind of. I'm not saying they're abusing him, but <laughs> but. You go, you go seven innings. All of a sudden, you stick him out in right field. Like, what? I mean, was he the coach's kid? Like, what is going on here? You're playing little league with this with this guy. You should be treating him like a Fabergé egg, specifically because Mike Trout, 
who knows when the hell Mike Trout's going to be back because, you know, he's on his annual trip to the I.L. Speaking of which, Shohei Otani is not exactly the poster boy for durability. He's already missed time in the pros. So he's already missed time in the majors. So you can't tell me that you're not overusing him because you're showing otherwise. And yeah, it's a significant dip. Four, mi- four or five miles an hour is a significant dip. It's a big deal. Your- it's a big deal. It absolutely is. It could speak to a multitude of things. Thoracic outlet, shoulder impingement. Fortunately for him, they, they haven't noticed anything regarding feeling in his fingers because that's definitely one of those things that is an indicator of a bigger problem. Uh, finger numbness and forearm tightness. Those are the two that I would be most concerned about if I was Joe Madden. But there's one thing, and this broke earlier, and since we're talking angels, I figure we might as well talk about it. He's not going to be learning under the tutelage of Mickey Calloway anymore. He's suspended and got fired. So good for Rob Manfred. You haven't acknowledged the no-hitter yet, but you definitely did the right thing in showing Mickey Calloway the door for the foreseeable future. And as far as this team goes, like Otani, Rendon, like you've got players on this team. There's no reason for you guys to be in the shape you're in. And I know you mentioned this before. Is this Joe Adele's time to shine? We're going to transition. We're going to talk a little angels here. We're going to go deep on the angels. I, I just, I thought Joe Madden would be able to get more out of this team. Um, like you said, Anthony Rendon is a player, man. That guy's that guy's really good. Uh, and I know Trout's out, but I mean they're in last place. They're behind the Mariners. Um, like what what would you do with Otani? Like what do you think is the right way to play him? It's one of those. It's tough because you don't want to lose his bat. That's the thing that he, I mean he's a unicorn, right? Like they used to call Christoph Porzingis the unicorn. Uh, he's just such a rare talent that I understand that you want to keep his bat in the lineup, but on the day that he's pitching, that's it. He's just pitching. You want to, I mean, use a DH for the love of God, just use a DH because I understand that you're tempted, but doing that sets you up for failure throughout the rest of the game because you now have, you're playing by national league rules while the other team is playing by American league rules. You're setting yourself up ultimately to lose. And maybe they need to also give him, skip some starts and give him an extra day of rest here and there, you know, use an opener to, you know, to kind of borrow from the Tampa Bay Rays that we're going to talk about next. Like you gotta be, I mean, Joe Madden's Mr. Creative, right? Like he's, uh, he started like the weird wacky suit thing on the road and all that. Be creative on the field, Joe. I think that would probably benefit them the most. I mean, what do you think? If you're Joe Madden, what do you do? I mean, I just think historically, right? I mean, what are we comparing him to? We're comparing him to Babe Ruth, right? Babe Ruth was a pitcher and for a number of years, any hit. And then they realized one day that, listen, we'd rather have you hit than pitch. And he became one of the best hitters of all time. So to me, the answer is pretty clear. I mean, he's ultimately going to become an everyday hitter not a pitcher. It's cute to do this every once in a while, but 
in the long term, he's just going to be a hitter. So maybe they have that understanding where we'll pitch you this year, we'll pitch you next year, but then after two years, you know, you're just going to hit. Maybe they already agreed to this, but yeah. the other, I think the worst part about it is he's like one of their best pitchers. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he's ER, his ERA, his strikeouts, like it's, it's terrible. Like, I wonder how the pitchers on the team feel. They're like, geez, this guy's really crushing yeah. it, man. This guy, it's ridiculous his level of talent. But, well, here's a crazy idea. And you know me, like, I, just thinking outside the box. Like, what if, I mean, granted, you need to be able to have pitchers that could hold a lead to get to this point what if you make Otani your closer you start him in right field and then when the time is right you lose your DH you just have a defensive replacement go out there and you have Otani pitch like what I mean because his stuff is filthy and if you only have to worry about one inning he can max out like yeah. he really like that splitter would be even more deadly that fastball would have even more run on it. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that would be a great, I think that would be a, a great plan. The problem is, is that all of their pitchers stink. Like all of the all of the angels pitchers just flat out stink. Yeah. You can't be like, it's the best player. I mean, he's the best player on the team, regardless of position. Like, sorry, Mike, like Otani's the goods. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I just I worry about him being exhausted, honestly. Uh, and when you're exhausted, that's when you get hurt. So I, you know, he could play a seven inning game, eight inning game, and then you're gonna bring him in and have all of his energy into getting three batters out. Um, and I just don't know how that works out. I don't know how much work goes into pitching for him. I don't know how much time he needs to warm up. I don't know. I don't know how any of that stuff works. You know, we've seen starting pitchers become closers. And uh, you're brave, John Smoltz. Like, yeah, that's the greatest yeah. example, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, and he dominated. I mean, so, but he's also just sitting around waiting to pitch in the ninth inning. I don't know how good John would have been if he's running the bases, batting, digging walls out of the corner. Like, I don't know, you know, I don't know. That's true, and um, I don't know if we'll ever, I don't know if it'll ever come to fruition, and I don't know if we'll ever know how that's going to turn out. But I mean, bottom line is they're their last place with him in the field. They're last place with him on the mound. Like right. this, this is this one of the more disappointing teams in the league in terms of expectations. Like they have to be one of the more disappointing. You're teams. behind the Mariners. You're behind, you're behind the Mariners, man. You're, you're behind the Rangers. Come on. More or less. The Tampa Bay Rays are who we thought they were. Dennis Green, here we go. <laughs> I mean, is this all Kevin Cash doing this? I mean, I'm gonna say more likely. Uh, I think I think they will crumble toward the middle of the season. I think what they're doing is still very impressive. Um, they they just they managed to win games. I mean, they're coming off of winning nine of their last ten. That's unreal. It's unreal. Uh, so I'm going to go more likely. I'm going more likely too, but definitely with a little bit of pause, just based on the fact, like, it wasn't the strongest little run on their schedule. They did lose to the Royals. So there's that. But 
they swept the Blue Jays. Okay, I'll give you credit for that. Blue Jays are a credible team. You swept the Orioles, who everybody expected to be the drizzling shits. They're not terrible, but they're also exactly what you thought they were going to be, which is dead ass last. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, they, they would, I expected them to be at, I, at this point, I guess. Um, uh, maybe a little bit more. I think, like I said, I think winning 10 games is really an accomplishment. So, or nine of your last 10, I think is very impressive. So that's why I'm saying it's, it's more likely. But, yeah. And the, they're, uh, they're starting to hit too. And the, you saw, uh, they, they're confident enough in their prospects that they, uh, they traded off Willie Adonis. I saw that. He was very upset about it. <laughs> I can understand that. Well, he's, he, you know what? He's going to a National League Central contender, so I don't think he can be too broken up about it. I mean, he went to he went to the Brewers. It's not like he traded him to the Pirates or anything like that. So, I mean, boo-hoo, put your big boy pants on and uh, help your team win. So, the I just, I'm surprised at the haul that they got for him. Really, they got Fireheisen and they got Rasmussen, I believe. For Adamus and another minor league player, it's just that I just found that very quizzical. And the one thing that uh, that's definitely going to give me pause about that and really bash the trade is what they do with pitchers. But they turn out quality pitchers and then they deal them off. So this is definitely like they've become the new Pittsburgh Pirates in terms of being the pitching whisperers. So. I definitely think they'll be fine. They brought up their prospect walls, and I was very surprised to see that. I was expecting Wander Franco, but apparently they don't think he's ready yet at AAA. Still but, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Nope, 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 nope. Even though they're past the status where, you know, for, you know, the, the manipulation that we were talking about with Joe earlier, um, at what point do we see Wander Franco this year or not at all, considering the fact they brought up walls? Yeah, I, I don't know. I thought he would have been up by now too. Uh, I hope – I mean, I don't I, I don't think his development has gone that awry. I think he's – I think he's still, you know, one of the one of the best players, if not their top prospect, right? So uh, it's, just, it's just a timing issue. I think he'll be up in a month or two. Oh, definitely, and honestly, this lineup isn't hurting, right? They have the sec- they have tied for second in runs. They're eh, mediocre on batting average, you know, but batting average is an antiquated statistic. I know, yada yada. Uh, on base percentage, they're eleventh, so not great. And slugging percentage, not great. They're twelfth, so eh, they're really like the pitching is really carrying them right now. They have, you know, a three fifty four ERA, decent WHIP. A little over one, also decent. And they're going to, you know, that's the thing. They're also going to get, they're going to get healthier as the year goes on. Like everybody else is. And I think that Kevin Cash knows what he's doing with this group. And they're definitely, it's it's more likely that they're who they thought we are. They are who we thought they were. <laughs> and screen. we let them off the hook. <laughs> Well, this has been the Fade Route with D and Z. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can catch our podcast on Wednesday nights on the Anchor, Spotify, or other premium outlets where you listen to your podcast. Until next time, stay faded, everyone. We'll talk to you guys next week.
Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.